Welcome to the Lucid Body Podcast. I am Faye Simpson, your host, returning after a four-month break of travel, self-care, and incredible creative endeavors. It was wonderful. With me today is someone I met along my travels. Inalu Antoli is based in Mallorca, Spain, that we met at the Donna Retreat Center in Scotland, where she was my teacher. Analu has been teaching yoga and creative dance movement for the last 20 years. She started dancing at 17 at the London Contemporary Dance School. After experiencing health issues, she returned to yoga and Ayurveda for help to find a balance between the outer and the inner, between doing and being. In her search for balance, she was drawn to Buddhism and meditation with the Tri Ratna community in the UK, which she continues to follow. The Buddhist teachings have offered her simple yet profound roots for her life. She practiced Iyengar yoga for eight years and trained as a teacher in Edinburgh and India. She then found Scaravelli-inspired yoga and yoga therapy at the Yoga Therapy Institute in Amsterdam in 2018. For more than 10 years, she's been practicing Bhutto dance, which has offered ways of expressing and connecting deeper with the soul, the heart, and the imagination. Welcome, Analu. Hello, Faye. Oh my God, it's so good to hear your voice. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely to be here with you today. I'm very happy. We, we, went, we were in March, I guess, on, the, on this retreat center, so it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a few months and I, and I hear you've been continuing your travels and, and beautiful experiences. <laughs> I told you I wrote a play, which is mm-hmm. really fun. Okay, so um, my first question is, oh, God, I was so deeply moved by your work. And it's very, sim- it, it, it's in the same vein as Lucid Body. How did you begin your explanation, uh, exploration into teaching somatic awareness? It's mm-hmm. said in your bio that it started with health issues and it, Lucid body started with my own health issues because mm-hmm. it's kind yeah. of the time that we as humans start investigating our behavior. Is that what happened? Yeah, well, it is indeed because I, I was deeply immersed in in dance training, uh, especially while while I was living in London, and at the same time I was starting to experience uh, many health issues and and discomforts, which. Uh, it didn't seem natural for a young woman of twenty early twenties. And uh, and at some point, I really had to take this seriously and starting to find ways to improve my health and my energy levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it actually took me to a point where I have had to dramatically give up dance oh. somehow um, for a few years and completely devote myself to, to the practice of yoga. Uh, and this was somehow like uh, tuning an instrument that was completely out of tune. Mm. Um, and there was a lot of joy in that going inwards and that need for listening within. Uh, can I, can I um, ask you, because I, I was a dancer and I also know the impact of stopping dance. It's a, it's a, it's a shock on the system. But why in your in retrospect, why do you think that young dancer's body was was out of balance? Because I also felt it as a dancer. Mm. What, 
Yeah, well, it, I mean, there's a tremendous emphasis on image, a tremendous yeah. emphasis on mm-hmm. performing mm-hmm. beyond any, any relevance for the actual inner state of mm. the person. And, uh, and what is the real need for movement of the body is always, there's always impositions on that real need for movement or for stillness, actually, mm. which it was what I needed in my case. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like stillness was the balm um, and, and was the, well, the medicine that my body needed to restore balance. Mm. Yeah. I, I was just thinking, of course, in acting and dancing both, there's a production, there's a deadline, there's, you know, money at the ticket office, there's, there's pressure. I mean, that's, that's the job. Mm. So I'm just wondering if, if as young people, if we introduced this kind of inner somatic awareness, it's certainly what I'm trying to do with Lucy Body, if it, if it wouldn't help find that inner balance in the face of the pressure of performing, or mm. if, or, you know, is that a dichotomy that, that can't be fixed? Mm. I think it, it, it can really help to to have that possibility for awareness and for a more um, conscious practice despite having to perform but at least we we have a space and uh, where where we can be different with our bodies where dancers can can nourish another aspect of what the body needs because the body at a young age also needs and loves this expression and movement and yeah. and really dynamic energy. It's also very nourishing. Um, yeah. hmm. So it sounds like that, uh, you know, the nourishment of movement and how the body uh, needs to express that which is within can be can be harnessed mm-hmm. by the the performer instead of the performer kind of not listening to the inner body and just putting, putting out what you want, what you, the choreographer, the director want. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, there is a, there, there is a going into the extreme and, and, and if, if young dancers or actors can have tools to regulate themselves, right. Or at least have the awareness that this, this is a possibility. This exists. Um, and to have professionals, you know, like yourself or myself, that can really value um, other aspect of being in the body. Yeah, that's why I was so taken mm. with your work. Because in Lucid Body, we are so uh, prioritizing now the need to re-regulate, come back to center. Mm-hmm. So the actor, we're training actors to go out in the field, be able to express extreme states of being knowing that they have the ability to come back to their center line come back to their parasympathetic nervous system and i was so struck you you not my own process Mm. you deeply affected uh, my own sense Mm. of somatic awareness i think i went deeper than i ever have so it's, mm. it's moving me into my next question, which is, you know, the, something about the depth of this, of how you presented the work 
the simplicity of it. Just for my listeners, we had, um, I was on a two week retreat and every morning, afternoon, night, we were meditating. And then there were classes and Analu was giving a class every afternoon. And um, so I'm taking class with her after long term meditation. So it's, you're already in a deep state. So that's what I guess my question is the, what are the goals of your work when you're working with your students? If maybe that's not a valid question, but Mm -hmm. do you have, what is your streamline when you're teaching? What is, what is it that you're, Hmm. yeah, I mean, for me, one of the first uh, aspects which is already so easy to present in the context of a retreat, especially uh, a Buddhist retreat or any form of retreat, um, is that is to create a space to discover what is already yeah. inside yourself, inside oneself, mm. um, which has like bigger connotations and implications because it's almost to create a space for our humanity which somehow we mask and cover with ideas about wh- what we should be doing, how mm. we should be feeling, uh, what should be happening now. Um, mm. And uh, we can be very lost not having any shoots. <laughs> we can really be, uh, be lost. Into Did you say no shoes? No shoots, yeah. Oh, sh- so... Shoots? So it's a lot about what, what we should be feeling now, what should be happening now. Oh, should, should. Yeah, okay, yeah. I got it. Yeah. No, shoulds. Yeah. Isn't that the, is that the ego? Is that the ego's uh, attempt mm. to be what they think everybody wants them to be in order for status? I mean, it's what you're saying is so, so present mm. with all of us. Mm. And I'm just yeah. wondering if you would call it the ego yeah i mean it can't be the ego i i normally don't call it the ego because it's somehow is uh it's a demand uh, we are subject to to demands of our society uh mm. which we are not even aware of um mm. and we we want to fulfill expectations which we don't even know where they come from and at some point, we we attach them to ourselves, and we believe that it is our own expectation. Um, mm. You mean like conditioned? We're conditioned. Uh, we're we're being raised in communities and listening and feeling the priorities of those around us, and without even knowing it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like taking things on uh, in a in a habitual way without Mm -hmm. real uh, awareness of of what we are taking. Mm. Mm. With the the habits that we have, we're not of thinking, um, not just doing the habits that we do, but also the habits that we think. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And th- this is where the Buddhism fits in. We're both, uh, Analu and I are both part of the Triratna Buddhist organization. And that's where what the retreat center was based on. And 
uh, it's been tremendous. It's, it's, for me, it's a lifeline. Buddhism has always been, meditation has always been something that makes sense to me. And I know that if I spend time meditating, then what comes out of my mouth, whether I'm teaching or um, in a friendship, or that it's coming from a truer place. And yeah. what is, what's your, how does your work entwine with Buddhism? Um, for me, uh, Buddhism and, and the practice of meditation, we are strongly connected to, to, to Buddhism. I cannot understand Buddhism without practicing meditation, right. because otherwise it would be like, a, it, it be, it's a concept. Right, philosophy. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, rather than something which is experiential and has a profound effect in our human body-mind. And mm -hmm. it was through the practice of meditation that my movement practice started to change. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a gradual process of this feeling and sensing and noticing the workings within the body, within the mind, the heart that allowed for, um, for that work that I, can, that I can now offer for me saying, yes, we need to create space for the body to, to, to realize what's within um, as, as the ground of the work. Um, so yeah, meditation, is, it's, it's, it's fundamental. And of course, there are other elements of, of Buddhism in the in the understanding of, of the interconnectedness of everything. Before um, you um, keep, keep, we go further into this, I just want to go back to something you just said. Um, for some of our listeners who may be not meditators, what do you, what does it mean to you when you say creating, how does meditation create space for the body? Because of mm -hmm. course people think meditation is a mind exercise and it's all about stopping thinking for people who aren't really um, daily practitioners. And could you describe what you mean by that? Creating space for the body. Mm. Yeah, that's a very interesting question. No? How, to, <laughs> how to talk about creating a space and, yeah. and, um, and, and, and what is meditation? Because uh, very, uh, very likely what can happen initially is that meditation is actually thinking. So thinking mm -hmm. is this uh, for for people that are beginning, it could be that uh, that is space where I could even think more than I usually mm. do because I'm left with nothing else to do. Mm. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, oh, now, or, I can, <laughs> now I can really work on that problem. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, or even I mean, before I actually studied meditation, and and I and I could hear people going to meditate or to temples when I was in London, or uh, I thought it was some kind of brainwashing activity. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's how far it goes. The the conditioning we are subject to. Uh -huh. I mean, for me to think that at some point I I could even I could think that uh, meditation was some kind of brainwashing activity. It's it's quite amazing. Yeah, to, to not, not to realize. That. So that was mm. your your resistance to it when you first started. You were thinking, "Uh oh, I'm being brainwashed." Well, not not when I started. When I started, I, I was actually in Dana Kosha in on my in my first mm -hmm. yoga meditation retreat, and it was 
it was obvious, it was clear, it was natural. Mm -hmm. uh, it was before, you know, a few years back when I probably wasn't yet ready. And you hear comments of, of friends or, you know, dancers and around that are starting to explore these tools. And they talk about going to temples and in London and seeing gurus and having blessings and, and meditate. And it's like, right. hmm, this, this doesn't sound very right. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I had the same reaction when I was a, a, a fiery modern dancer in New York City and just doing, doing, and people were talking about meditation. And, uh, and I remember meeting people who were big meditators and feeling that they were disconnected, actually, that they were floating somehow in a, some sort of bubble that was not real and not connecting like they were you know, almost high on meditation and not completely uh, grounded. And I thought to myself, well, who wants to be on a center bliss state all the time instead of feeling in the passions of life and the hunger that we have? I, so that yeah. was my resistance to it and, until I realized I, when I got into it mm -hmm. that it, it was actually connects you very much to your passions and your desires and it makes you look at them and feel them in a way um, that is, that's important. Because you know they talk about the hungry ghosts in uh, the Tree Ratna? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I have a quote here from Sangrashita who was the founder of, of Tree Ratna. It says, the world of the hungry ghosts is a state of neurotic desire. Desire is neurotic when it seeks from its objects more than the object can give, like gobbling down huge quantities of food when the body doesn't need food hmm. or found in intimate relationships when two people are hungry ghosts trying to devour each other, you know, trying to, trying to fulfill their own personal need through another instead of through hmm. themselves. So, um, yeah, what, what, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's a disease of our society to a certain level, and and I mean, one of the causes of our suffering comes from a kind of nostalgia for uh, for unity, and uh, mm -hmm. which is hidden in the deepest parts of ourselves, mm -hmm. and it sometimes surfaces with great force, and and this can make us a hungry ghost, trying mm -hmm. to satisfy that longing, that nostalgia. And do it in the in the way we can, or we've been taught to through, through foods and objects and relationships. Uh, for me, I think there is something incredibly human in that longing, and yet yeah. we can get lost also as humans if we expect a long-lasting uh, satisfaction from from the objects we desire. If we can get caught up in a wheel of wanting and needing that um, that will never end. So there is this these two aspects of you know the humanity that lies you know behind that hungry ghost this uh, the suffering that is there and and the wish for um, for peace and harmony and yet not knowing how to reach it mm. how to get it mm. and uh, and going a little bit blind in that search. Gosh, such a beautiful yeah. way of putting it, Nostalgia nostalgia for unity 
Mm. I'm really struck by that because it does feel like nostalgia, meaning it's in our genes, it's in our DNA that there's from the, through our ancestors, that there is a place in us that actually knows there is unity. Mm. There is, there is um, what I call body, mind, spirit integration, where we feel whole. But um, as you said, there's this kind of desperate grabbing at things that we think will provide that wholeness. I certainly did it for years, <laughs> you know, whether it was ambition or sex or alcohol or whatever, you know, just yeah. trying, to, trying to find something to, to make it all come together. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the, the human being is, uh, is this organism that has innate possibilities for healing, for recreating itself, for balancing out. Um, but it's how to, to bring this, this human being into a context where that can actually happen. Um, one of the things we talk about in the Sabadi is the recognition of our our desires, passions, weaknesses, frailties. We use the chakra centers and mm. um, we talk about not kind of, you know, the person I said was a meditator and felt dis, disengaged with his body. You know, we do the, the opposite. And I know that I experienced this from your class as well, that you're actually going in and recognizing, oh, I feel jealous or oh, I feel so uh, inadequate or mm. and that those, those feelings are just not to be avoided or blocked, but actually welcomed so that when we are in meditation or in a class, we're listening to those um, like we listen to children, right? We don't want to block the children's complaint. We listen so that we can understand so there's that listening aspect of without judgment. Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I do feel insecure. And then, mm. and then expressing feeling that insecurity until it moves into some uh, greater balance. And I, I think all emotional states move if we pay attention to them. Yeah, and, and sometimes what happens is almost the fear that if I acknowledge what I'm feeling, it's going to remain, it's going to stay with me. I'm actually letting it come into the house and take over. Um, and, and that's not the case. It's actually the opposite. When we can allow it, when we can give it some space, it's just for that for, to come and pass by and transform into something else. It's, yeah. it's more out of that resistance I mean, the naming is so is for so fundamental. Just naming for oneself what is yeah. going on, uh, and that can create uh, radical changes. But I yeah. think it is some sense of fear that if this is named, if this is uh, mentioned, if this is invited, it's it's gonna take roots. <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah. hear you, and I think so much of the suppressed emotional pockets that I that I see we have in our bodies come from our <clears throat> our past where there's a good chance the expression of them 
or was not allowed in in particular environments and mm. so there's a fear that uh that will be condemned will be punished uh will be considered bad um you know that that we've been conditioned to feel that those actual emotional states are somehow condemning us mm. as, as opposed to what you said if we if that little 5 year old has a a complete sense of fear based on her environment to really fully as the adult express that fear it actually it feels to me that it just it 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 allows the the trauma of that moment to be expressed and then released from the nervous system you know not that mm. our past will ever go away it's not that you know and now it's gone but something about the physical expression of it feels that it opens up for uh flow but also for understanding where it came from mm. Yeah, yeah, and the, and there is something very powerful in allowing in allowing that. Um, you know, if we talk about uh, somatic awareness, because uh, you know it's, it's one of the aspects of of my work. You know, first we could say, okay, what is somatic? Somatic relating to the body, and awareness uh, related to consciousness, and 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 so. There is, this is the change. There is a change from in, insensitivity, which is lack of sensation, to be present to sensation. And this really refers to the body because sensation as sensation experienced in the body. Okay. So when we activate this uh, sensory attention, then change happens. And, and when, uh, when there is a a change, there is the possibility for another one. It's like when something opens somewhere in the body, then other openings can take place. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, if we invite the body as a whole organism um, into presence through, through different uh, body work practice, movement practices, meditation, mm. uh, I think that that can be truly revolutionary. In, mm in the sense that it can create deep change and yet at the same time be very subtle. So it's not like great fireworks and, and huge revelations. Mm -hmm. but it's, and, but that's the, I mean, I love the beauty of this, of this subtle work that nothing seems to happen, but then it's, it's really touching your, your life. Mm. I love and that about you. Qualities. Yeah. Say it again. Yeah, it is. It's, it's something that invites other qualities, and a, and it's a it's a subtle change, but it's it's profound and it's deep. Mm. And again, it it differs from what we are used and as a society that we are after these big events and yeah. uh, play this performance. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm. That was my experience with you. Was the subtle, the subtlety of your work and how uh, I, I couldn't put a finger on what I was experiencing, but I was experiencing deeply. Um, mm. And I think that our community as a whole, especially the theater community, we do want fast change. 
we want instant coffee. You know, we want instant, we want food delivered to our house. We want things instant. And I think change. And when someone realizes, oh, I got to make a change, they're looking for uh, a ways to want it immediately. So it's like the impatient, and, I, and I'm speaking completely from personal experience. <laughs> Not this change now. I don't have patience with myself. Um, I know I need to make this change. I know I need to stop being uh, as competitive as I am. I know I need to stop flaring up in anger. I know I need to stop. And, and by being impatient with myself, then I am causing more, uh, more noise in my head as opposed to what I'm hearing you saying is that the subtlety of change something opens and then something else opens and and things start to shift and we have to kind of trust that the body's listening and this shift is going on as long as we commit to the process yeah yeah and there is something about uh you know this this fast um, action this this that yeah. that we want it's easy quick delivery uh because we've realize something at an intellectual level and we can word it and we can say uh you know i don't want to be so competitive or i'm you know whatever it is uh that we want to change because we've identified that and at an intellectual level and we are able to 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 say to to touch it to own it even we think that then uh, change can happen automatically yes right uh, but this is, uh, mm -hmm. this, is, this is only touch the surface perhaps it's touched deeper but we are still perhaps at an intellectual mental level uh and to to go deeper with which which means to go through the body that's that's gonna take a bit longer yeah. or at least it's gonna take the time for us to go into the body and it's like in you know in a, in a session that might offer, we might arrive to the body straight away in two minutes, but we might take two hours mm -hmm. to arrive to the body and just be there for a few minutes. Um, and I cannot judge the person who took two hours mm. and say the person who took two minutes is better at all. It's the same process, and mm, there is no better than the other. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's similar, like uh, I often say when people say, oh, you know, this person is very good at yoga. Why? Because they do the asanas in a, there is more symmetry in the asana. There seems to be more strength or flexibility. And this other person doesn't kind of fit in the shape so much. But yes. however, they are both engaging. If they're both engaging their minds or bodies and mm. breath, and, mm. and energies in the same way. For me, there is no difference. Mm. It's just a different form of the body. Well, that's I'm interested in, Yeah, I'm interested in what's going on inside this body. What's mm. going on inside the mind? How is the breath? How is mm. the connection between the spine and the rest of the body? What kind of aliveness? Mm. That's why you're such a brilliant teacher. You've you're allowing people in the room to be present with where they are now, 
mm-hmm. and not uh, and try to not be impatient, not compete. We talk a lot about non-judgmental mind when we start the loose body to try to to inspire what you just spoke of, which is no one's better or worse here. You're just with yourself. And, yeah, um, I mean, this brings me to sort of the, uh, when I started uh, practicing yoga and left the studios, it's like precisely it was that, you know, it's like, uh, I am not judging myself. There are no mirrors. Mm-hmm. I can enter the space. And this was so beautiful. Mm. 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 Yeah, I remember moving out of out of dance into theater, sort of physical theater, and just feeling the freedom of um, you know expression from the human being, not the abstraction mm. of dance. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, and this this expression is also another aspect of, of my work. Um, it's to, yeah, it's, for me, it's important to understand that the body uh, uh, in itself is, is an expression of consciousness. Mm. Um, but if I listen to the body, I can enter a process of discovery of what it is actually to be in the body and, and, and what it holds. Mm. Um, so expression has a lot to do with, with listening. Um, mm. And then, therefore, what wants to be expressed, what needs to be expressed, what aspects of our heart, of our soul, what stories does the body want to tell? Um, you know, it's so, it's, it's so interesting that I'm sure that there could be some of the listeners now who are saying, well, what do you mean uh, when finally you drop into the body? You know, people might say, well, I'm always with my body. I, I wake up with my body, I go to sleep with my body. And um, mm-hmm. the awareness of listening to the body and being, allowing the body's experience to be heard is, mm. is a practice. It's not like, I know from all the teaching I do, it's not like I can assume that people know what I mean when I say, and listen to your body. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> you are right. <laughs> It's like, I remember somebody at uh, NYU said, what do you mean go to center? Because <laughs> I kept saying, and find center. And someone looked at me and said, what do you mean by that? I was like, oh, I, you know, we in the dance world, you know, we know what center means. It's a gravity line. It's a, but also, have you dropped into your body? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I can, I can totally agree with with what you say, and, and with the difficulty even of explaining that to to someone that is that is not getting it, yeah. or that is not uh, really sure of what what, what we mean by what that. Um, I had just a, I got to share this memory I have um, in Nalu when we were there were about I don't know eight of us in her group, and she said, "Okay, put your shoes on. We're all going to go." For a walk and down a coast uh, is just the most beautiful. What's the name of that village? Baga. Uh, Loch Boyle is the is the lake nearby, and uh, oh, I forgot the. It's a Bagadir. Oh, I forgot the name just now. <laughs> um, maybe we'll think of it, but 
um, she had us all uh, walking down these these country roads, um, changing our walk, walk like a different human being and now change, walk like another different human being, change, walk like another. Now, I'm a theater person. I, I loved it. But a lot of people were not theater people, performance. And it was so funny. Cars would stop and just kind of you know, slow down and see us all this group and to watch them come alive by because they were playing different characters Absolutely. and using their bodies in ways that they'd never used before, you know, moving mm. from the hips or moving from the shoulders or head stuck forward or arms in the air. And uh, I think that is that's part of my belief in my work is that by learning to express outside of one's you actually start to open up these new pathways, which can move you back into your own body. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely beautiful, would you say? Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, for me, that uh, <laughs> amount of laughter and, you know, yeah. the energy, the playfulness uh, that came about from from that walk in, on the country roads was was beautiful and and also kind of so simple um, yeah. and and dot uh, remember dot she just yeah. she was talking about she would she'd crack up so incredibly thoroughly crack up in describing what happened and that was yeah. a whole nother form of of uh of expression that we all could could share with her you know, mm. that deep laughter <laughs> yeah yeah and and that's you know where we very gently took the body out of the form that we u- that it, right. we usually have it right you know in a very simple and playful way and wow you know what did, what can it open to yeah yeah well hopefully you'll you'll visit the lucid body house one day and we can uh, I can introduce you to this work cuz I think you'd mm. You'd really have fun with it. We'd, we'd yeah, play well, a lot with I, character. I, I would love to. That would be really amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I want I you to, to get to know more your work and participate in it. Mm. So um, I want to know where are you going from here? I know you collaborate, you have performance, or what are you, where, what are you dreaming of now? What are you planning yeah, well, the next, uh, I have a retreat that I'm offering in Mallorca, uh, which is, it's called the Sea in You. And it's all really about developing uh, fluid movement and connecting with our water quality. Mm. Uh, so I'm really excited about this uh, format because it's the first time I offer the retreat with, with this theme. Uh, and I've since I live in Mallorca in an island surrounded by water, I'm really inspired mm-hmm. by that. And it has really changed the way, I think it's changed the way I move somehow. Ah, so, ah. So, so I wanted to, to do something where we focus um, very much on, on, this, uh, on our fluidity and how, how to reconnect mm-hmm. more with fluidity. Um, when is and, that? And I'm all, when this is, is in, in September. September. Uh, so, your yeah, right what is now. your um, what is your website? People want to sign up for that. Can you? Yeah, just... my website is uh, somaticsoul.com. 
www.ghostsmedia.org. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's... and that's where I will be posting information on the workshops I'm offering. Uh, I'm also collaborating with a dancer this uh, this year in Portugal, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's that's going to be very beautiful. She's she's a contemporary um, Bhutto dancer and choreographer mm-hmm. called Minako Seki, um, and I've been working with her for a few years. And yeah, she has a beautiful way of working with the body and open into imagination and we overlap in many of the ways we we work together and what mm. we offer oh, gosh. And, and for next year I, I'm, I'm developing new retreat concepts which is something of uh, it's really coming very strong now uh, so as well as this year with the scene you uh, next year I, I have I will have a retreat called body stories mm. which I will more with the stories, with the stories that we can tell through our movement, through our bodies, the stories we can write, mm. uh, how we can dance, um, others, people's stories, what does it mean to, to, to dance to other stories, mm. uh, and how we can open from there. Mm. Mm. So many good plans. I, I'm a huge uh, fan of Bhutto. I've done a little bit myself, but I would always go see, um, what's the name of that group? Sangha Jutsu. Mm-hmm. Sangha Jutsu. They used to, they used to perform yeah. at band in the 90s. I don't know if they're still going, but I was always mesmerized by that. The depth of the slowness that you saw old age and young baby at the same time. It's the, just mm-hmm. the universality of it was just... Similar to what we're talking about, that slow somatic listening, which is in between here and there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Bhutto has many faces as well. It's, it's really, uh, it's really something very vast in, in how it presents itself. I mean, already from the two founders of Bhutto, which are completely opposite to each other. You know, Katsuo Ono and Tatsumi Tichikata. They are. Mm. You could have two more extreme persons <laughs> into mm. into the way they they dance, they move, and and yet you know it still is the same practice. Mm. Mm. Which I is, didn't know is that. A, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, I would love to come to Portugal and see the performance. <laughs> so keep me on your mailing list. Yes, yes, yeah. I, I hope there's going to be some videos as well because. There's going to be something like 18 dancers and there will be performances from, uh, from everybody. Oh. Wow. I think everybody's going to be asked to do, to do solo performances or group performances. So it, it oh. will, will be exciting. It mm-hmm. sounds exciting. Oh, it's such a pleasure talking to you, Nalu. Such a well, pleasure. Well, you too, Faye. Yes, it's wonderful. Oh, I'm really happy we had this time together. Yes. And once again, um, you can go to Inalu Atoli's website, somaticsoul.org, and find out all the classes and things that she's doing. And uh, hopefully we're going to get her to the Lucid Body House within the year. Yes, okay, I thank think you. so. <laughs> thank you, thank Faye. You. Okay, ciao. Ciao. Thank you, listeners. I will be more present 
um, we'll be doing many more podcasts coming up in the fall. I would like to thank our Lucid Body House sponsors, the Miller Voice Method, an effective voice and breath training by Scott Miller, Leah Kalish, Understand Your Past, Change Your Future, sessions available anywhere via Zoom, David Simpson's Chiropractic on West 57th Street in Manhattan, the Actors Center, and the multidisciplined artist Andressa Ferletti, Thank you for making the Lucid Body House thrive.